Hello and welcome back to the Football Index podcast. Today I'm joined by Jonathan Gill, who's a, a poker player, someone who's won or who has $2.3 million in winnings, and he's also a Football Index trader, funnily enough. Now, Jonathan, I'm not a poker expert, but it's very great to have you on the show. How are you doing? Yeah, um, good cheers. Um, very happy to be on the podcast. Um, excited for it. Brilliant, brilliant. Now, uh, we had a lot of questions, but before we get into that, why don't you tell us a bit more about your Football Index journey and how long you've been on, etc., and how you found it? Sure. So um, I'd say about two years ago, I sort of had some, I, I thought that I ought to invest some of the spare cash I had from poker. And I was sort of looking at a number of different things that I could invest in. So to begin with, I looked at stocks, I got involved with stocks for a bit. However, that didn't go so well, that went pretty poorly. So I sort of pulled out of stocks. And then there was a lot of poker players who were into crypto at the time. And like, like way back at like pretty much the beginning of crypto, there was loads of poker players sort of in it who were saying, you should get into crypto, you should get into it. And I never really gave it a second thought. So I thought maybe I should put the money into crypto. However, I like started to look into it and I realized if I'm going to get into crypto, I'm going to want to know a lot about it and be interested in it. So I started doing research and I just found it such a drag. Like I was, I was trying to read around the topic, read into it, and I, I just couldn't really get into it. Any, any um, financial advisor will kind of tell you to invest in what you're interested in. That is obviously you made kind of a good decision there in, in investing or not investing in something that you weren't interested in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So then 18 months ago, I was sort of asking around a few of my friends, like I'm looking to invest, but I want it to be something I'm interested in. And one of my friends actually sort of brought up the football index and said, have you heard about it? And at the time I hadn't. And um, she admitted that she didn't really know that much about football herself. However, she sort of studied like the scores of players, the graphs of players where it shows the trends. And she was able to read into the trends of what players were underpriced or potentially overpriced. And I thought if like she said that she was making money off this and I thought if she's able to make money off this with limited football knowledge, and obviously I was a fairly big football fan myself, then surely there has to be has to be an opportunity for me to make some money there. Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, I'd be interested to know what portion of the Football Index community aren't massive football fans. It'd be really interesting to see. But who, who do you support? What's kind of your footballing background in terms of, you know, like what, how you got into football itself and, and, and how often you, you watch football and research it at the moment? Um, I am a Wolves fan, so... Obviously, a very proud Wolves fan right now. <laughs> um, pretty much at a peak since the olden days where we were winning the league back in the day. So, and I, I've just always been into football as a kid. I used to play it quite a lot. I don't have a season ticket or anything like that, but whenever I get the opportunity to go to a game, I would do. And this sort of re-sparked my love of football as well. I think the Football Index, like sort of having a vested interest in, say, a Leverkusen versus Mönchengladbach game, which just has never been the case in the past. Like, obviously, I'd, I'd watch Match of the Day, that'd be it. Um, but love watching football. So this has sort of increased my love for football over time, I think. I think we talked about that in the last episode with Ollie Price-Bates. If you guys haven't checked that out, do so. We talked about how having that, now avid interest for European football is something that a lot of traders couldn't have imagined before Football Index, which is good in, in a lot of respects, I guess. It opens your mind up to, to a lot of different footballing avenues, I guess. But, uh, John, I think we had a lot of questions, uh, as you can imagine. Um, lots of poker enthusiasts and lots of Football Index traders, of course, uh, are asking a lot of questions. The first one came from FPL Grinder. He says, both poker and FPL have made efforts to appeal to a broader demographic what can fi learn from them to try and do the same um i saw you had a interesting 
sort of back and forth with Sage Nodes in regards to how poker has rake back, which is basically where you play a certain amount on poker sites and based on the amount of rake you generate for them, they will give you sort of a kickback, some money back, whether that be incentives, whether that be sort of money you can spend on tournaments or even in the case of PokerStars, which is an online poker site, they have where you can buy like hoodies or even like football tickets and stuff like that. So I think there are some options down the avenue and I have seen um, Adam making some really interesting polls on Twitter recently, sort of looking into potential potential um, potential things that people would be interested in fr- from Football Index if they were to give back. So it does feel like they're going the right way about this. That That's a, that's a really good way of rewarding customers and I think the back and forth that you allude to is uh, one, one of my responses to, to Adam Cole and the, the Twitter poll where he, he kind of asked about this concierge service or this very like high class esteemed um, felt like some sort of like baller service if that makes sense um, and I just I responded with like the notion of rewarding customers del- uh, rewarding delighting customers is so powerful for user retention in any digital product loyal customers who place faith in a startup that many bet against should in my biased opinion be rewarded whether that be a free meal deal or less commission so that's kind of like exactly what um sage node said after that he said uh, sounds good a poker style rake back for football index traders the higher the trading volume the higher the commission back uh i, I think that's like after that tweet I-, I think i did a little look into rake backs but obviously you're, you're far more or far better place to speak about this and it-, it seems very interesting i'm just trying to think if it would actually incentivize traders to trade more if that makes sense like, do you actually think if you if you could spend these points or whatever they are on on hoodies and t-shirts that you'd end up trading more uh, subconsciously, or or do you think it would just be an added incentive, something that helps that user retention factor that I mentioned? I think it's a bit of both, um, but I definitely do think that it can increase at least with certain traders the amount they trade. For instance, I myself, I. I'm, I don't really go into like flipping so much at, at the start of the season. I will look at sort of who's in Europe, who's not in Europe and think about long-term holds and sort of take that approach. And when opportunities come up throughout the season, I will try to take them. But typically I'm more of like a long-term hold kind of guy. However, if they had these points, I, it would definitely make me think twice about my overall strategy on the index and make me think actually there's an added added incentive of trying to get onto some of these um these short-term profits and short-term rises and and yeah i definitely think it would make people look twice at what they are doing currently especially if they're more of a long-term trader i definitely do agree that if this was a reduced commission incentive then you'd start looking at perhaps flipping those top players a little more freely because i I mean there are certain players that if you buy them they have to go up 30 40 50p before you can even make a reasonable profit on them short term Uh, which is why we see a lot of massive rises in these very cheap players and potentially why we've seen rises in the likes of uh Jaden Sancho and Reese Nelson because not only has there been massive hype but um they, they were quite cheap at one point relative to their current prices so that rise is uh it's seen a lot of long-term investors but also a lot of people flipping in and out uh, along that upwards trajectory so it, it it would be interesting to see if that could spark added liquidity in, in the top players whether that be um the the very top players the the neymars the messies the currently hazards or the the players that are in that lower bracket you know the sanchez's the coutinho's etc so it'd be really interesting to see but i really like your answer to that one um john but we'll move on to the next question uh this is from robert thomas um he says do you have a lucky charm when playing poker or football trading <laughs> so I, I don't know who would have a lucky charm football trading because i mean i guess a lot of people are long term and like you said yourself you just didn't <laughs> you mentioned that you're more long term so it'd be very strange if you did have some sort of weird charm 
Um, I actually know Robert Tom- Thomas, and I know exactly why he's asked this question. <laughs> there is a story behind it. In the what happens with poker? I play tournaments um, twice a year for the period of a month. There are big poker series, and half the through half way through the most recent poker series, um, which was in um, September. Um, sort of the series wasn't going that great. It was kind of whatever. I was sort of breaking even over the first week or two. And then um, him and his partner came round, and we hadn't seen them since myself and my partner had moved into a new flat. So he came round with a moving in present, which was a money plant, which is sort of like a, a little plant and the plant pot's got like a cute little face on. <laughs> so that sits next to me in my office. And I think the day after I had the money plant, I think I won, it was like $55,000. The day after that, it was like 10000 A few days later, it was 10000 So yes, Rob, the money tree has has done well. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. That's amazing. Um, uh, I need to get me one of those. Um, <laughs> 50, 50. I, mean, I mean, I haven't had so much luck on the index since I've had the money plant here, but I mean... I guess the poker makes up. Maybe it, you so. need another one. Maybe one is for <laughs> maybe, poker maybe. and one is... Yeah, maybe he needs a buddy. Maybe that's what Yeah, I think you should probably look into that. But it's, <laughs> it's strange, isn't it? I, 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 can't, I can't think if I've ever had any kind of lucky charms or or, or anything of that sort when trading. But I've, I've definitely had players that I've kind of liked in the past uh, to trade in and out of. And I'm not sure if you've had the same, but, but back last year when... Um, when Perisic was was linked with United frequently, he his graph. If you had a look at it, like there was just so many opportunities to to dip in and out of him if you, if you could do it correctly. And obviously, you couldn't win them all. I got burnt a few times, but he was one that I profitably profitably traded like several times. So I was wondering if there are any players of that ilk that you have also found luck with more than once. If that makes sense. I think I have actually been on Perisic like three times whilst I've been on the index. <laughs> Who hasn't? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I think Nangolan also, um, Pjanic. These, <laughs> for some reasons, it seems to be these midfielders from Italy. Um, so, um, Koke as well, I think. These centre mids, I guess, these... These players with sort of good base scores I've been on and off of. So, yeah. And what would you say to people who kind of begrudge buying back a player that they perhaps sold at a lower price or whatever? Like, that seems to be a big barrier for a lot of traders. So, did you have any advice for those people or any thoughts where this has happened to you and you've kind of learned learned from it? I think this is a benefit of being a poker player moving on to the index is that you always have to try and remain as unbiased and possible and not let your emotion be a big factor in the moves that you are making. Um, so I think quite often I'll, uh, for example, Perisic, I think like the first time I got on him, it was because of the transfer rumors linked with United and that, and then I got off. And then the second time was for a completely different reason. So you have to bear in mind that the reason that you may want to get on him now is a completely different reason as to why you got on him the first time or you maybe sold that player. It's just it's just changing variables, isn't it? Like, yeah, completely. I think a lot of people look at, if you compare a player or call them like a, an asset, and I do this in... Um, you know, in in quotation marks, then if the the underlying value for that asset has several hundred variables, as any footballer does, uh, whether it be fitness, coach, state of the team, I don't know, even state of the pitch, there are so many variables that kind of prop up their value, right? If a lot of those change, that player is a completely in a completely different situation than he was maybe six months ago. And I think a lot of people struggle because it is a person and not like an asset to kind of differentiate uh, 
if that makes sense, that one player might not be the same player that he was a year ago, if that makes sense. Um, you know, Kovacic, and I don't know why I'm using this example, I'm not slagging him off and I'm not endorsing him. He's not the same player that he was at Real Madrid that he is at Chelsea. That it's a, it, You know, and you could say the same about any Chelsea player under Sarri. Like, they are not the same kind of asset that you're investing in, if that makes sense. Yeah, completely. And when you watch games or or more the review of um, games after. And you do hear commentators suggest that under this manager, he's a completely different player, which is you sort of have to realise that he's a completely new asset, as you say. He's, he's, not, he's, not exa- he's not like stuck where he was in the past. He has changed and perhaps moved on. So, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because... A lot of people have said, "Oh, well, he was, um, he was, he was only uh, what was it? He was seven pounds like three, four months ago." Well, I mean, the dividends he's done since then—if you extrapolate that over the course of a year—then you're possibly looking at maybe the most valuable player on the index from a dividend standpoint, which is why a lot of people are kind of estimating that he might be top of the index soon and you know by all by all means he, he could be that tomorrow when when this goes out so it's people need to kind of like understand that f- three months to three months or if you take two different three-month periods a player could be a completely different type of player if that makes sense a completely different type of asset but we'll move on to the next question unless you've got anything else to say there john um, yeah, I was just going to say also when people look back, I, th- I think I do hear people sort of say, oh, well, he was, for, for instance, oh, he was £7 three months ago. I should have gotten him then. He's £9. But now at £9, he's overpriced without really taking into consideration the progress that the footy has made and without really thinking, well, maybe a £7 player back then is the equivalent to a £10 player now and this player's now sat at £9 so maybe he's actually a bargain definitely so I think people don't take into account the rising market uh, and that's maybe why we've seen a lot of people invest in players that are injured for a significant I mean, we've seen people buying Oxlade-Chamberlain at the moment uh, we saw it with Kevin De Bruyne when he got injured people are putting money into these players because they know that when new customers come to the product they see kdb and they say wow why is he so cheap compared to other players i have three years to hold this guy i'm gonna buy and maybe some of those people learn that you know he's not going to return until he comes back but as those people drop off more and more come onto the platform and, and kind of buy in and then you have this kind of slow but actually quite powerful upturn in price because of these new customers going in and obviously the more experienced traders trying to exploit this as well so you have this kind of effect where more and more people are buying in to this asset or Kevin De Bruyne and he's rising maybe a lot of people would argue for for no particular reason uh, as he can't win dividends or be very very lucky to uh, until he's actually back on the football pitch so it's very interesting very interesting lots of lots of things are happening on the index aren't they but uh, next question from fi charlie are some of your skills and strategies on a poker table transferable to helping you trade on football index example how do you manage risk etc and i think you've alluded to this beforehand by um a little bit um but if you want to go into it a bit more john uh, we'd be all very grateful i think yeah, for sure. Um, I, th- I think there's a fair few which two sort of experienced traders uh, actually like fairly straightforward. For instance, as I said before, I'm a tournament player myself. And when I play tournaments, I want to make sure that the profitability of one day isn't entirely dependent on one tournament. So say, for instance... I'm playing a $1,000 buy-in tournament. I'm not going to then play $5 tournaments as, for instance, like, say, so for example, if I'm playing 40 tournaments in a day, I'm not going to play $1,000 tournament buy-in and then 39 $5 tournaments because ultimately whether I have a good day or not, is entirely based on the $1,000 tournament. So when you move that over to Football Index, it's the same that 
it's probably a wise decision to make sure you have a balanced portfolio in that if you have 90% of your portfolio all on one player and then 10% across a number of other players, if, if that 10% performs really well, but your 90% has like seems to start to drop off in price, suddenly your portfolio is really going to get hurt, even though it's just one player that's hurting your portfolio, not the majority. Yeah, I think a lot of people, when they do send their portfolios to me, uh, who say, oh, I, I really like X player, that's why I have so many of them. I'm like, okay, yeah, you really like them. And by all means, they could rise a lot and you can make a lot of money. But if they do fall, that pain is so much greater than the feeling of jubilation than you win if you compare those two if you contrast them if that makes sense like you're going to be way more upset at the loss you get than you would be how happy you are if they go up if that makes sense so that's yeah. why a lot of people like your downside needs to be far smaller than your upside whenever you invest in something yeah completely yeah other ones as well is accepting that sometimes you just have to accept the loss i often hear people say well, I'm not going to sell this player because he's in the red. And that's like the entirely wrong way to go about it. For instance, a, a good example is Kante. At the start of the season, he looked like he was going to be deployed in a really good position. It looked like he was really going to bomb on up the pitch a lot more. And it looked like his score was really going to improve. However, since the first game or two, it seems like he's sort of reined that in a bit and he's going to be switching to a slightly more defensive role. So so the, so the reasons for having him early on in the season, now those reasons have sort of disappeared and he should be cheaper than he was at that point, which I believe he is. So on, on players like that, in some of these situations, sometimes you have to accept, okay, at the time, I had my reasons to believe he was going to be a great performance buzz asset. However, having looked at it up until this point in the season, it seems like that's changing and I need to step away from that. Yeah, I, I totally think that this red and green thing is very... It's, it's almost taking over how some traders think, right? I had a lot of people tell me that even though they didn't solve Ronaldo, um, they'd still made a lot of profit. And I was like, well, you have from your initial investment, but you've still lost a lot of value and you've lost a lot of money. And this is why I tell a lot of traders that if you think of all the money in your portfolio as your money, you're going to trade way better, if that makes sense. If you see all that money as your personal cash, then you're going to make the right decisions because then you're going to look at Ronaldo at, say, I know nearly £14 that he got to. And then that massive allegation comes out and as we mentioned before the variables suddenly can completely change he's almost illegible to win media buzz until that clears up really because a lot of people are talking about it or the other side of it is that papers don't really want to write about him just in case people can accuse these outlets of either endorsing or uh, uh you know defamation or whatever so it, it's it's a really complex situation and I think people kind of brushed it off as a, oh, you know, um, you know, he'll get away with it. It's fine. But even if he does, if he is cleared as innocent, this process is going to take a long time. And I just don't think people had that in mind. Uh, but I, uh, going back to the green and red thing, I just do think that football index themselves have maybe done a bad job of, I don't know, a lot of their tweets, for example, when you see, oh, how's everyone portfolio looking? Is it green? That that use of green as like a positive indicator to someone's trading skills is kind of dangerous because then you have a lot of people who are quite happy to see someone drop a pound if they were four pounds up on them, which I'm not sure is the best way to go around things. A lot of people argue otherwise, but I'm, not, I'm just not sure it's right. I don't know what you think. And I think you've kind of alluded that you think that the same. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I don't think it's such an important factor to make sure that changes. But, but I, I sort of I understand what you're getting at. And it isn't great for, I'd say, 
perhaps newer traders or those traders who are looking to react on emotions. Um, going back on the Ronaldo thing, I think that's super interesting from like a psychology standpoint in the way that people have been reacting. I'm personally in the opinion that of looking at it the way you mentioned earlier of does the negative outweigh the positive? And in this situation, like obviously we've all got our own opinions, but personally I think that the negative is is like big trouble, him being white. Obviously it's a very slim chance this happens perhaps, but the chance is that he just gets taken out of the database. However, the positive is a, a reasonable upswing and and yeah, I think like the positive versus negative really has to come into play with that. And I, f- I do feel like something else with where it's comparable to poker is that often people have their own opinion, but they, they still feel like they need to ask other people about their opinion. And say if, say they ask 10 people, if eight out of 10 people disagree with what they think. Obviously this isn't the case for everyone, but some people, eight out of 10 people disagree with what they think, but then two out of 10 people agree with what they think. They're going to sort of drive home. Oh, well, these people agreed with what I thought here and what I thought was going to happen. So I'm going to side with them when really they're, they're just looking to fall back on what they think is right and they're, they're just looking for like confirmation yes yeah confirmation bias but um it's it's it is strange isn't it like you are just looking for someone to agree with you and then you have this kind of not cult psyche but like it is very similar where it's kind of uh that group mentality where you feel stronger as a unit and if there are a lot of other people that think the way you do you feel a lot more confident in your decisions Uh, and that can sometimes sorry uh that can sometimes drive your trading decisions sorry you you were going to say something no sorry yeah and i was going to say you get exactly this in poker as well where someone will say i'm not sure about this hand but deep down they think they played it right so again, they will go to 10 people and eight other 10 people say, um, no, I think you play this poorly. I think you should have done this. I think you should have done that. Give all the reasons. Then two of the people will say, uh, I think it's fine. And then say, for instance, I'm the 11th per- person they ask. Um, they'll say, what do you think about this hand? I might say, okay, I think you played poorly. And then their response will be, oh, but this person and that person said they think it's fine rather than like trying to stand back and sort of removing your ego from the situation of wanting to be right. Mm -hmm. And and yeah, I think the the stubbornness that you mentioned there is is so prevalent, of course, in in football index trading as well. A lot of people just don't want to be wrong. So they're just not willing to take the hit on X, Y and Z player. But then there's also something about maybe the quality of opinion that you're being that you're asking for like if you ask those 11 people and like you've trust very much four of them and only those four people say you're right you're going to be very inclined to sign with them right so it, it, it's another one of those things where you ask 10 people or 15 people 20 people uh you see 18 people say that it's you know like the negative thing uh, or, or the word the that was the wrong. You see, eighteen people say it's the wrong thing to do. If two or three say it's the right thing to do, but those people hold more clout or have been trading for longer, or you trust them or you know them personally, you're more likely to trust those people, rightly or wrongly. And I think it's very interesting to see how maybe even if you're right in terms of logical thinking perhaps maybe from a dividend return standpoint that this market cap is still small enough that it will be moved by the masses so you kind of have to go with the crowd to some extent yeah yeah and yeah you have to bear in mind where the market goes and also when you do ask people their opinion on these things i think you have to really notice how much thought they've put into the answer for instance, I could just I could sort of sit, start to talk about a situation with someone who's less experienced, but if he's put sort of 
30 minutes of thought into it, weighed up all the pros and cons, that opinion could well be better than someone who's more experienced and they've just sort of said, oh yeah, I think he's a good hold, whatever, and not really thought more deeply into it, just sort of passed it off. Mm, mm, That's so true. There are people who might be new to the platform but have really studied the like i've met some people who have done meticulous crazy amount of research into football index people that aren't even on it that are looking to like kind of invest some money so you do have to be careful in who you trust and you don't remember something like people who have maybe been making a lot of money new or old might be getting complacent and maybe not researching things as much because as you as you kind of I think alluded to some people now on the platform kind of don't need to do as much research. They kind of can just know when a player is going to go up or down just purely from being on so long. Um, So so you do have to be careful to kind of maybe know the opinions that you're taking uh, from people that are still quite active and and researching uh, the players that they hold quite a lot. And maybe there are going to be those people who take a step back to see this as more like a long-term play. So it's, uh, it's yeah, a really interesting conversation. One that I don't think we've had on the Figcast before, but uh, one that I think we should have more of. But we'll move on to the next question from Golfing Grandad. I think he's, he might have two. Uh, but the first one is, out of poker and football index, which annoys you more? If you lose a hand on the river that you were comfortably leading, or if you invest in a player expecting a good media or PB run and they just don't deliver at all? Also, which gives you the bigger buzz when it all comes together? Um, To begin with, on the hand situation, they're sort of very different feelings because if you lose a big hand, it can be like 20 seconds of feeling really annoyed. However, if someone underperforms on the football index and they're not sort of giving you the scores that you were hoping for, that can be like two months plus of of like of it sort of wearing away at you and getting pretty annoying. So I personally, and given that I've played poker full time for pretty much five six years now, I'm very used to that feeling, and and it, it's it's sort of bec- I I become more and more numb to it through time. So I'd much rather take. 10 seconds of being super annoyed than like two months of <laughs> moderate annoyance <laughs> <laughs> that that makes sense that makes sense uh yeah. and and what about the bigger buzz on the other side of things i think the bigger buzz has to be poker um just because in some situations i can win up to like 400 or 500 times my investment over the period of one day, like one day's work. And I have the opportunity at some life-changing mon- money in some situations also, especially when these big poker series are on and there's huge tournaments going on. Um, whereas with Football Index, you don't really have that opportunity to win that much money over one day unless, say, like you've got your life set savings invested in one player on the index so so i think the bigger buzz has to be poker there just because of like the adrenaline shot you get from winning a big tournament yeah i can't even imagine uh, what that's like it must be amazing <laughs> yeah yeah <for> um, sure. <laughs> i think that's very concisely answered there jonathan the next question from jay or at LFC trader, do you play the percentages or player psychology when deciding to sell a player? Um, I think all of us play the player psychology in one way, just one way or the other. Just the way we describe it, we don't necessarily look at it from that standpoint. So, for instance, the way that the market seems to react since the start of a season on a Saturday, obviously non-international break, when when there's like obviously the three winners, defensive, midfield, forward. So often you will see the winners of performance buzz on a Saturday absolutely rock it up. And I'd say the vast majority of the time, at least this season, they've gone way beyond what their 
market price realistically should probably be. So, and and people recognize that, so they will sell their players after a huge score, especially if they don't seem that well suited to performance burst, just they've happened to have a very lucky Saturday. So that is playing off the back of player psychology and that there are the reason for these rises is because there are some people out there, I guess we'll call them players, investors, whatever, they're sort of chasing these huge scores and they're like, oh, this player's got a huge score, so surely he's got an opportunity at a huge score next week or over the next couple of months. So I think everyone plays player psychology in a way. It's just not labelled that way. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I certainly think that there are some players that will hit a score in the first quarter of the season in terms of a peak score or which will be their highest score of the season. So what you'll see is those players will maybe have been hitting some some good scores, and then, um, oh, and then, uh, <laughs> and then suddenly they start dropping off, whether it be their kind of average score or the amount of peak scores they score over a season, and suddenly you'll see that reflected from their price. It's uh, I don't know. It's a strange one. I think there are going to be yeah, as I mentioned, there are going to be a lot of players who hit their peak prices for the whole season in the first quarter of the season. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And from the the like percentages side, does that ever work as well, or is that something that you tend to employ less so? Um, I tend to employ that less so um, with the percentages. Um, if I'm looking at, I I mean I think the cap for a player's price is can sort of be never ending um obviously it gets to a point where it's ridiculous but i i don't really think if this player hits this price that's it i'm selling because he's had a 30 percent increase on his return of investment because suddenly that if, he, if he's like had a 30 percent increase suddenly there's a lot of new hype around him. There's a lot more eyes on that player on the index, which could give him potential to grow even further. So I, th- I think with percentages, and I, th- I think it's a dangerous tactic in general to be like, okay, I want to flip this player. When they get to this price, that's it, I'm selling. Um, just because, as we said earlier, a lot of variables change and with big price increases so suddenly there's a lot more people looking into that player and perhaps thinking oh actually i want to get on this player also and that can just snowball definitely so and i think people don't do that they do look at the percentage rises they don't look at the current price of the player and, and what that might mean for them for uh from a downside versus upside perspective which i think we've talked a bit about beforehand and i think it's a a tactic that a lot more traders should employ when kind of assessing whether or not to to sell or indeed buy more of a player or just hold. So uh, it's an interesting one. But uh, next question from Footy Index underscore FPL says, "Excellent guest. So uh, clearly a fan, Jonathan. <laughs> Played so yeah. much poker back in the day. Then love heart emoji. Really does love poker and maybe loves you. Uh, <laughs> your most memorable." football index trade slash poker hand and why um i'll start off with the trade and it was actually i can't remember exactly when it was it was sometime last year but it was the whole sort of saga around diego costa and not only did i make a good amount of money off it it also opened my eyes to a potential strategy in that i realized that the biggest transfers aren't necessarily the best ones to chase. The best transfers to chase are the ones that look like they're going to be spread out over a long period of time. Because with Diego Costa, there was a period where every day in the paper, people would be like, no one knows where the hell he is. He's not training with Chelsea anymore. There's been photos of him seen in Spain, but they're not sure how legitimate they are. Is he going back to Atletico? Is he going to go somewhere else? Is he just moving away from football for a while? Like There was so much uncertainty around that transfer. And over such a long period of time, it was like he was getting top three media sort of day after day after day, just because 
it was such an interesting case, I think, to sort of follow and like his fallout with the manager and what he was doing and what he was posting on Instagram at the time and people trying to work out where he was. So I think that is the most memorable trade, which made me realize it's not always the biggest transfers that pay out the most when it comes to media buzz. It's the ones that can take longer and there's something different about them. Definitely so. And I think we saw that with, or maybe not something so different, but we're seeing that with Eden Hazard, right? He's just come out and said that, yeah, um, he's not leaving in January. So that probably means that a lot of traders are going to be buying in now for next summer when that saga really ramps up because he'll have one year left on his contract. So it, it, providing he doesn't sign a contract between now and then, those are the type of ones that you're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously there was, uh, I mean, Alexis Sanchez last season moving to Manchester United from Arsenal. Everyone thought he was going to go to City for... For, for for quite a while so it is quite strange but speaking of strategies what what other ones do, do you employ before we, we move on to your favorite poker hand um as for strategies i mean as i mentioned before i think my main strategy is to sort of sit down rattle through the fixture list see who's in europe and stuff like that and i mean the world cup was a one-off but I realized sort of months in advance of the World Cup that people are really going to be wanting to get on the um, performance buzz side of things for the World Cup. So way in advance, I decided to get on these players who were sort of key for their respective teams because I knew, because the market does take a while to react. And um, and like with the World Cup, like even in the week leading up to the World Cup, there was still a lot of traders who were like, okay, then who are we going to invest for for the World Cup? When they had like, some of these players had such a long period of just going up and up and up towards the World Cup as more people were sort of starting to focus on it. If you beat the rush of the hype, you're able to then sell in the hype at a very good price. Yeah, and I think the market has taken... Well, it didn't used to take this long to react, really. Uh, I don't know if you imagine or you remember even 12 months ago, it was a lot faster. Like when a player hit a certain PB score or one PB, he'd rise and then he'd kind of stay there. I was thinking about a player, Jonathan Bamber from uh, Lille, who uh, recently hit a very good score. I'm not sure if he ended up winning PB, but um, he rose from about 190 to about 220 because of that score. And then afterwards, between now and then, uh, between now, uh, between then and now, he's risen another forty p, which is more than he actually rose from that initial spike. So it's kind of like the market is about a week behind in terms of its reactions. Is that right to say? Sometimes yeah, it's it's kind of crazy, and I think it's because like people think that okay, all those people have now sort of they got onto the player initially and now it's been long enough that okay i guess they're not gonna they're not gonna have a drop after they probably they probably think bamba got to a point where he was too high for what his realistic market value was and then after not and thinking okay in a week when some of these people who are chasing the profit when they eventually sell this player will take a hit and i'll buy them but then you see that none of these players are selling and you think, oh, actually, okay, I guess they're not going to drop further. I guess I'm going to have to get on now. And I guess a fair few people sort of took that approach and do take that approach with some of these players. For that reason, I, I've tended to maybe hold some of these players that are in that same kind of situation as, as Bamba was because I just think, okay, well, I expect them to go up a bit more after that score. And because of the the hype surrounding it, but I'm going to hold just to see if people react slowly. And that has been happening for for several players. And it's been really interesting to watch, really interesting to watch. And I think people maybe, to your point, were thinking that, okay, I'm going to wait until everyone flips in quotation marks, Um, uh, this player, and then... um, and then I'll invest, but then they maybe get that FOMO when the player doesn't fall and say, okay, well, I've made the wrong decision, but I'm still going to buy. Yeah, yeah. And you sort of have to try and be 
ahead of the curve on the way that the market reacts. And I think already things are sort of starting to change and the market seem like people are sort of trying to chase these trends and whatever, so that it's changing so often. I, it's obviously a lot easier to say than do, but if you can, if you can sort of really think a bit deeper into the psychology of what people are doing and they're reacting to what's happening now, then that's where the money is to be made. Yeah, definitely. I think that there's just so many things to think about here in terms of what we've seen is clearly a maturing market in terms of the drops aren't as steep, but also these rises are a lot more sustained and and, uh, they happen over a slightly longer period of time. But we'll move on to the next question and this is the last one from... uh, uh, whoever reached out after the tweet this is from ds or at dexter underscore stag do you think football index should or could make itself more appealing to smaller portfolios smaller than 250 pounds for example well i mean i'm sure they could but but should they <laughs> um yeah for sure because i think there's a lot of people who they'll hear about the football index and i was exactly in this camp when i first heard of football index i was like okay, well, I guess I'll come in and I won't spend loads of money. I'll I'll just put a bit of money, see how I get on, sort of try and suss things out. And then when I feel more confident with the platform, I'll start to put more money on. So so making sure, like when a, when a, when someone first comes onto the market, it's easy to think, oh, well, this person has put £100 onto the, onto the index. So they're not going to end up being a big trader with us. I think that's like the wrong way to look at it. I don't think they do look at it that way, but if they do, that's definitely the wrong way to look at it. I think a lot of people want to try before they buy. And if you can sort of really do well with some of these people who have got smaller portfolios, it's only going to encourage one thing, which is to put more money on the index. Like, for instance, I I didn't come on to the index with much money at all. I think I came on with like maybe a hundred pounds or so, um, and then since then I haven't made a single withdrawal because I've been so impressed by the index, and I feel like it's only going one way. Yeah. So pl- on, so sorry. pleasing these people is definitely great for the index on the whole. Yeah, I think there's also that notion that the ASP talks about quite a few times where that person might deposit £200 and his mate might deposit £200, but his mate's mate might really love the product and deposit 10 k So yeah, yeah, 100%. if you make it more appealing to those traders, that network effect just becomes so much stronger. And that's yeah. something very, very powerful when trying to increase your brand recognition and and actually market a a product like football index so i think it's it's something that a lot of people kind of demean or or, uh, like i mean we've been we've been talking about earlier about kind of um incentivizing traders and actually uh, and rewarding loyalty but we haven't really seen much talk from Football Index about making it more appealing for the new trader, in, uh, like improving the onboarding yeah. and improving that customer experience right at the beginning. Because at the moment, I think that's a big problem. I think that because the acquisition is so fast, like they're, they're just spreading these ads all over the place. Um, there's probably a lot of interest, lots of hits on their websites, lots of people signing up. That uh, I don't know what that conversion rate might be. But then that retention side comes from how the customer feels when they're first using the product and that customer journey right at the beginning and i think that's something that football index need to improve sooner rather than later really yeah yeah i agree with that and um and this something that goes back to poker as well with something that football index can do with with all of this is something that was bigger in the past it's not so big now is affiliates and this used to be huge on some of the smaller poker networks and i think and for instance when i started tweeting out about football index the vast majority of my followers on twitter are all poker players 
I had a number of people sort of message me and be like, what's this football index? I haven't heard of it. Um, obviously, whilst I'm like singing good things about the index. And someone actually mentioned to me, one of them said, if there's an affiliate link, then make sure you sort of, we can set that up to benefit me. And I thought, actually, I hadn't really seen anything about affiliates. And then I went on to the football index and I sort of had to do a bit of looking around for it and ask some people who are more experienced in the index. And they sh- they show me the whole affiliate link and stuff like that. And I think this is something that they should definitely be making more noise about um, because it encourages people to speak highly about the football index on like on on anywhere where they have a platform to do so and encourage other people to get on board and sort of share this journey on the football index. And I definitely think that's an opportunity they're missing out on at the moment. Sure. They do have affiliates, but you, you sort of have to do some digging around for it. And I think that could be really good for the future of the platform. Yeah. I mean, I can personally speak as to, to say that the, the affiliate experience isn't amazing uh, from from the affiliate standpoint itself, and also I think that a lot of affiliates that Football Index have got are people that are might might be new to the product that don't really interact with the community. The the tweets they make aren't organic, and they might acquire a few customers. But what is the quality of those customers? What is the yeah longevity of those customers um wh- what is uh h- how good is their experience going to be if they are if they are being acquired by someone who's just joined the platform themselves it's yeah, it's yeah. it's a very it's a very like sensitive one because if you get someone who has 100k followers doesn't really know the platform it it, it kind of can get a bit messy because you have someone who doesn't yeah. know what the platform's like teaching potentially someone who could join the index about the platform that doesn't know what it's like at all uh and then you get this kind of messy spiral where you have a lot of people joining they have no idea what they're doing that are learning from someone that they have no idea of what they're doing it's the blind leading the blind and i think that it, it like a lot of people think of football index as maybe something that's not very legitimate and i think that if you have a lot of affiliates posting not organic tweets that look very spammy it yeah that's true doesn't that's true, exactly yeah. endorse the legitimacy of the product i don't know if you agree with that yeah yeah i definitely see where you're coming from yeah I, f- I feel like there must be something they can do with that but ha- having heard you speak about it i think you're absolutely right if it just encourages people who barely put a penny on the index just to be like sign up through this link um and sort of earn me money here and then when the person goes to them for advice they're giving sort of ill-advised advice and just like they're leading them to poor decisions then obviously that isn't the way to do it but I feel like there must be sort of like obviously it's easy to say our oh, affiliates they should go in with that but then there must be a better way that they can go about that i think perhaps well there's a few i think that they could do currently the affiliate scheme is set up that the affiliate makes money and the customer has no incentive effectively to to use their link so you're using someone's yeah. link with no bonus right and I, I kind of negotiated with football index to make it so it wasn't like that so a customer would actually get a bonus if they use my affiliate link which is plug on my youtube channel in all my descriptions <laughs> <laughs> um but but it, it is kind of like why would you do that that doesn't make sense from a business perspective there's massive incentive of the affiliate and then what they do is they push and push and push to try and get as many people to join and therein lies the illegitimacy aura that that is gained from spamming loads of tweets and i also think that it, it shouldn't be based on customer acquisition it should be based on kind of quality of customer acquired yeah, I agree with that. So uh, I shouldn't make the same amount of money as an affiliate as if I get 10 people on that deposit £100 as I should do if someone comes on, deposits £100 and then says, I love this, I'm putting 20 k in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like it's, yeah completely. It, I, I think there's something there that Football Index really need to look at because that could be very powerful, whether it's um, if you deposit £100 and if you've come in through an affiliate, that affiliate can then offer you um, say a 10% bonus if you're making a four-figure deposit for the first time. 
something yeah. along those lines that would actually encourage not only the acquisition of a customer but the retention as well i think there's something very powerful there with the affiliate marketing and we had the former affiliate manager on the podcast uh nick i think it's episode 48 and you should go listen to that as well plug once more um and we, we talked about a few of these things where i think there's a there's a massive opportunity there and i don't know what you think there john yeah no i i completely agree with everything you've said there no 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 uh no no disagreements no there qualms. but what, what, what about the uh what about the future of football index before uh before i get lost in my rant of uh, affiliate marketing what what's where, where do you see the the product improving or where do you think it should improve the most and where do you see this as a as a product in the future because you seem a very in, intelligent grounded person uh so i, I want you to see like whether whether or not you're very optimistic with this product to become mainstream or do you think it's going to remain relatively niche as well i think this season is huge for football index based on the way they've been pushing their marketing strategy and sort of advertising on sky and whatever else i feel like this is sort of the make or break year but i just i just really don't see it breaking um it's, it seems to be improving. And I, th I think the most important thing about making sure it doesn't break is having communication with people on the platform and sort of constantly getting feedback. And I think Adam's shown that, like definitely recently with some of his polls, he's been putting out there if he's going to act on it, which obviously I don't see why he would put these tweets out with these polls if he wasn't going to react on it. And the fact that even when he pushed out the, um, the survey to emails about the, um, the share split, um, the fact that he then went on to show the results of that, whereas often you sort of fill in one of these things and you think, oh, I'll never see the results. Hopefully Just they'll lost do something ether, about it. it, whatever. Yeah, exactly. But the fact that it came out, um, showed all the percentages, what people voted for, all that sort of stuff, it makes me feel very positive. It really feels like they're going the right way about this and understand that they've, they really need to take things from a professional standpoint and really make sure they follow not only the vision of themselves for football index but the vision of the customers for football index i think i tweeted maybe six months ago about how that feedback loop was missing from customers and i think that with any product you learn about your customers more than you change and after that you usually change after that feedback loop and I think that's something that's been missing a lot from Football Index. And I think that you should be maybe bucketing people who have been who are new to the platform and what their uh, experience has been like. People who are experienced and been here for ages and what their current experience is, what they're missing in their life. I think they're kind of trying to look at these two things at the same time. I just I'm not sure which one's more important. Do you should you be rewarding customer loyalty at the beginning to to. In, like leverage that network effect a bit more because if you have a more loyal customer a, a very loyal sticky customer base then they're more likely to tell their friends and then their friends will tell their friends etc or do you better mold that customer journey right at the beginning i think football index might have to start doing both of those things at the same time and not looking at one or the other yeah i think it's a really fine balance with that and getting both areas of it right i think it's very difficult and it's very delicate um and it's something where they, they definitely can't just disregard the one for the other they have to make sure that both of those areas come on together i think at this point in their business life cycle they have to start looking at basically improving all verticals at once and not looking yeah. at just marketing and, and just product they have to just this is the point where you just go all up uh at every vertical yeah yeah completely is there anything else you want to discuss jonathan any other football index calms um yeah there was something else as well i guess it gives you a good plug as well in that i think realistically in the past with poker like sort of going back to poker um quite often some of the promos they've offered is especially if it's a site which has like a um, 
a sort of casino area as well as poker. They'll reward you with casino bonuses if you play poker. They'll reward you with poker bonuses if you play the casino because they understand that these people um, are, are likely to have an interest in both. There's there's a chance that they have an interest in both. So I think something important in Football Index is for them to find where they're likely to get their customers from, what are they going to have an interest in. And something that, personally, because I'm a huge fan of it, I know that I'm a big fan of Fantasy Premier League, and I'm also a big fan of the Football Index because they have sort of, especially when it comes to performance buzz, where they have this point scoring and you do all the research, you look into sort of whereabouts a player is typically on the pitch, how many touches they get, um, what their sort of, in, in FPL, it's what their bonus score can be, whether they're likely to win bonus points and football index, it's whether they're likely to win a performance buzz. Um, I think FPL is sort of like a very sort of stripped down version of performance buzz. And I think there can be a lot of interest from FPL managers in Football Index, which is why I go back to how I mentioned that I think it's a good plug for you in that I understand that you're going on um, a FPL podcast in the near future. And I think sort of reaching out to that demographic who haven't really heard of Football Index or haven't really gave it a second chance um, I think that's a good way for them to go about their business. Yeah, I, um, uh, as you mentioned, plugity plug, uh, I'll <laughs> be joining uh, Nick and Tom on the Who's Got the Assist podcast, uh, I think next Monday, um, to talk all things FPL. Uh, I, I've I've done better in the past in FPL. I think my highest rank was uh, 80,000 one year, which was, was decent, but last year I was not very good. This season I've started okay, 300k, not too bad, but I think we've, we've got a Football Index Fantasy Premier League a league where there are some guys at the top there which are smashing it so uh, <laughs> there's there's clearly a lot of parallels there but the community is very similar as well i've had both nick and tom separately on on the football index podcast because they've both been football index traders in the past um and they've both spoken about it with uh with much fondness so i'd like to think that i've helped bridge those two communities very slightly uh using those guys and, and leveraging their their following and also they're very good guys i used to work with tom in the same building well not work with him but work in the same building as him so i know him personally um and, and yeah the, the communities are very similar in the way that there is a lot of kind of negativity at points but when it's good <laughs> it's very good right like yeah when when yeah. when those communities interact properly like the fpl community fi community they work so well they help people learn you can get a lot of inspiration whether it be per particular players or if someone talks about a trade that they've made uh and you're inspired from it i think they can be very powerful yeah yeah and as like you have time amongst the community you, you sort of start to learn where the negative comes from and sort of who to listen to less and who to listen to a bit more um and I, th I think it's really valuable having that customer that sort of community there um to sort of help people sort of i think it adds a lot to their journey on the football index or on mm. fpl definitely so and uh before we leave or yeah before we move on i forgot to mention your favorite poker hand ah uh, yeah um i'll try and keep this fairly basic <laughs> um, i'll try and cut down on all the lingo but that there was a memorable hand not necessarily for the hand but more for the situation and what it led to and it was a situation where someone raised in this is in like a 215 dollar tournament this is going back many years i think five six years i wasn't really playing tournaments this big at the time uh, someone raised, I had King Jack, I re-raised, this is all before the flop. They re-raised again, and this player, he's, so, I, I know the player, and he's very aggressive, and he likes to put pressure in on certain situations uh, where he thinks he can really sort of go after you. 
So then I ended up after I raised, he raised, I re-raised, he re-raised again. I went all in. And for some reason he called with queen nine um, offsuit, sort of not suited. I went on to win that hand. It was a really weird hand because this guy is a regular. He plays professionally. So that was a hand that sort of took me back a lot. And then from that hand, I think that was with 30 left in this tournament. And from that hand, I went on to win $75,000, which today is one of my biggest caches. And given at the time I was playing a lot smaller and I was playing sort of tournaments where you could win $1,000 or $2,000 at the most, uh, given that I went on and won this, this was sort of a big breakthrough moment in my poker career. So that, is that hand always sticks out in my head. Insane stuff. Wow, that's life-changing sums of money. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, well, before we leave, Jonathan, where can people find out more about you? Um, my Twitter is gil3000 underscore poker. I think it is anyway. Pretty sure it is. Um, <laughs> I don't, to be honest, I don't tweet that much but i do interact on a lot of people's tweets so if i see like someone tweeting whether it be about football index fpl poker whatever i try and get involved as much as i can if i have an opinion on a topic or whatever but myself i don't i don't tweet out that much pretty much i'd say the vast majority of my tweets are about poker but then i'd say i interact most with with probably football index tweets or maybe even fpl tweets yeah, brilliant stuff uh, thank you so much for coming on man thank you for having uh, me on it's very very interesting pleasure. chat yeah. yeah yeah it's been great uh, and you guys can uh, obviously if you want to see my face head over to the youtube channel um gonna start uploading a lot more now that i'm uh, back from holiday uh finally gathering a bit of momentum on the channel 1300 uh, subscribers so thanks so much for all your support and the newsletter uh if you haven't signed up do subscribe to that as well that is with uh two guys that are far smarter than i uh footy index ldn and uh, liam footy index lm and uh if you want to hear me talk about football just football uh then head over to the state of play pod at state of play pod in the last episode we had uh, a former u.s men's national player uh who's currently an espn espn commentator talk all about christoph uh piatek the man on fire in syria if you want to collaborate or uh, sponsor the podcast then uh, email me at football index football in football.index.guide at gmail.com and if you're about to commute then have a great commute if you're not commuting then uh, shout out to you to uh, sitting on your sofa or otherwise listening to this uh, scrubbing the toilet whatever you do um, which is what someone has actually told me they do when they're listening to the podcast which is slightly weird but also funny so thank you guys for listening